transitions are exhausting. So many things change, you end up feeling lost. You can find yourself questioning your relevance and even your worth. Whether you're gaining a new surname or going to a new situation, there are two things I want you to know. First, your roles in life will change, but your purpose is eternal. Second, God has a plan for your life and the enemy has a plot against that plan. I'm Sherry Fletcher, and this is Your Spiritual Game Plan, the podcast for those in a season of transition. And I'm so glad you're here. Stick around and let's work on a spiritual game plan together. Today, I will be speaking with Jeannie Ortega Law. Jeannie Ortega Law is a chart-topping singer, speaker, media personality, journalist, and actors from New York City. Her TV show, In the Mix, appears on TBN's Salsa Networks and 24 Flicks. She tours various venues, including churches, sharing her music and life-changing testimony. She and her husband, Ren, live in Orlando, Florida, and lead Most High King Ministries. Today, I'm going to be talking with Jeannie about her recent book, What's Happening to Me? How to Defeat Your Unseen Enemy. Jeannie will not only share her story from the ghettos of Brooklyn to success in Hollywood, but also her stunning restoration in Jesus. Jeannie is going to be very honest about the battle she fought with abuse, demonic attacks, violence, suicidal thoughts, rejection, and being treated like a commodity as a pop star. She's also very open about a spiritual tradition that was held in her family called Santeria that could be disturbing to some. Jeannie was a billboard-topping pop star turned Christian, and she shares her experiences within the church. She learned that you must activate your spiritual sight to defeat the darkness in this world. It is through these experiences that Jeannie is very passionate about sharing how to discern unseen spiritual activities affecting your life, guard your heart and mind, and close the door to evil, and how to rest in the love of God and His purpose for your life. I am so excited today to have a special guest on. I am I have Jeannie Ortega Law with me. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am doing good. Where are you joining me today from? I'm joining you from my home in Orlando, Florida. <gasps> Moved over here about maybe five years ago now from New York, and I don't regret it one bit. <laughs> no. What's the temperature? Um. Let me see if I can check my phone quickly. <laughs> it's it's hot. I gotta it's say that. Hot. Yeah, it's been hot. So nice see. and it's, sunny. Yeah, I don't think this is correct. It says I think it's about seventy degrees. Oh, it's about eighty. Anyway, yeah, I'm <gasps> refreshed. It's eighty-two degrees here in sunny Orlando, Florida. Wow, <laughs> that is beautiful. So we went through a, a mutual friend, Leah, and she, mm -hmm. when she heard about what I do, she was like, you have got to talk to Jeannie um, because she's the same thing, all spiritual game planning. So I'm excited to have you on the show today. I would love it if you would um, share a little bit. I gave a pre-recorded 
bio, but I would love it if you share a little bit about yourself, a little personal thing um, about what's going on in your ministry and anything you're willing to share with the audience today. Sure. Well, I am from Brooklyn, New York, uh, born and raised of uh, Puerto Rican descent. So um, we got the little spice there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know, I'm, I do many different things, wear many hats, singer, songwriter, um, actual book, you know, an author now, book writer. Um, and uh, really my heart is just to use anything media related, entertainment related to glorify the Lord. I am a pastor's wife, my husband, uh, Reverend Ren Law. He, uh, we run a ministry here in Orlando, but it's actually an international ministry, kind of digital in the sense where we have people all over the globe that join us. It's called Most High King Ministries. And um, yeah, we're just all about doing life with people and helping people um, just fulfill what they're called to do, you know, fulfill the purposes in their own life and, and you know, just kind of in line with what I wrote about in my book, uh, you know help people open their spiritual eyes and see where the enemy is and where God is and how to fight off the enemy with the tools that God has given us and to really walk forward on this earth during this time and do what we were created to do. So that's kind of a little bio. I have a, I have an amazing son that I just had, my miracle baby, Elionijah. And um, yeah, he's truly a blessing to us. But yeah, I think that's, I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. I can do. I can say that. That's the summary. <laughs> That's a great summary. I have a question that I ask every guest because I love to hear the answer, and that is: looking back on your life, how far back can you look and see the very purpose that you're living out today, and who you've always been? That's a good question. Yeah, I um, I've always been like in your face. It's <laughs> very, um, you know, I walk into a room and I will love on you and I will make you feel special and uh, want to get to know you. That's kind of how I am. And I can just see that throughout the pattern of my life, you know, um, I've, I've always been made fun of for being that way or, or, you know, um, made to feel like, you know, can you tone it down but I noticed that for what I'm called to do and what I'm made to do it was totally God's design for me to be this big personality um, to be able to captivate people and to share about him not about me you know when I was growing up it was all about me so I was captivating people to share myself and then when I really came to know who Jesus was and fell completely head over heels for him, I it completely shifted everything. And I knew, oh, I was made to draw people to my God, to my King. Mm. So, yeah. I love hearing that. But yet he got you comfortable um, getting up on stage. He got you comfortable using your voice. He got you comfortable using all those gifts. So that when the time came to pivot, you were ready. Yeah, that's I love that. I love that. So we're talking about your book. What is happening to me? How to defeat your unseen enemy. And I love it. And I mean, you, you don't, you don't beat around the bush. You open the book. And the minute I open the book, you're just like, you're right there talking about how the enemy is waiting for you. Like he's waiting for you before you even understand that he's waiting for you. You say that right in the beginning. And I love that because 
as like I mentioned, we met through Leah. And as I was getting to know Leah better, she was asking me about what is your spiritual game plan? Like, what is that? So I was telling her about how I was growing up in the church. Um, there was a lot of emphasis on how God has a plan for you and, you know, which is good, but I really never understood. And there was not a lot of emphasis on understanding that the enemy has a plot against that plan. Mm -hmm. And I knew Satan was bad, but I didn't understand that Satan doesn't like me. And not only that, Satan actually hates me and there's this war. And so I started thinking, man, we've got to have a strategy and I've got to help people and I've got to help my kids have a strategy. And I started just developing this passion for helping people have a strategy against this. In mm -hmm. fact, um, I used to even analyze Disney movies. So I revamped the Sleeping Beauty story and I started talking about, look at here's these fairies. And when Sleeping Beauty is born, these fairies come to bestow these gifts and these two fairies bestow their gifts. But before the third fairy can bestow her gift, here comes Maleficent and she just bestows this curse. And I would tell kids that's like the enemy, you know, dear Disney wants to make it look cute and make light of it, but this is for real. Like the Holy spirit is there and God wants to bestow these gifts, but the devil's right there too. And he is ready to pounce. And so, yeah. you know, you also discussed that. And so when you and I were born, when the listener was born, the devil's right there. And so I would love it if you could kind of bring us into your world. What was it like in your home? Some of the you know, spiritual traditions, some of the ways that you experienced, you know, that the enemy was not kidding around. He was right there waiting for you. Oh, absolutely. Well, first I do want to say I love Leah. So grateful that she connected yeah. to us. Because um, it's totally what my book is about. The entire thing that you just said is exactly the thought that I had with writing this book. I'm like, people need to be aware that if there isn't only bad in the world and there isn't only good you know, in the world, there's a spiritual realm. And this is what's really going on. It's war. Um, so it's exactly what you said. For me, um, I was born into a family. Uh, we were raised Catholic, but it was traditionally Catholic, nothing, you know, um, extremely devout. Um, and then in my maternal side of the family, they practiced a religion called Santeria. And in the Latin culture, what the Latin culture does with that religion, which is spiritism, is they kind of try to combine Catholicism and worship of the dead. And um, basically, that's kind of what I was, I, I was born into. So when you don't know any better, you know, and you just go with the flow. And a lot of us are born into to, to traditions and things that are so anti-God or what his will would be for our lives. And we just accept it because it's what we know, you know. But for me, for instance, this religion, you know, it exposed me to worship of the dead. It exposed me to... Um, you know, I would I would be invited to parties and I would witness, you know, people conjuring the dead and being possessed by the dead and, and speaking in, in this, these demonic tongues. And, and it was just wild. You know, um, there was animal sacrifices. Uh, I sound insane because you're like, that stuff doesn't happen anymore. No, it actually does. Uh, there were animal sacrifices. There were uh, rituals. 
that were just extremely disturbing. You know, I, when I was at the coming of age, um, I was asked to stand in a tub of, you know, a little tub and strip all of my clothes off. And, you know, it was my spiritist relative and my mother was there because she didn't know any better. And um, they just proceeded to do a ritual where they were cracking, you know, all these things over my head, like uh, coconuts and all types of man-made things that they did and blowing cigar smoke all over me and, you know, spitting alcohol all over me in this wild ritual, which made me feel very uncomfortable. You know, I'm standing, I'm a little girl, I'm standing naked and that's what's being happened. You know, it's what's happening to me. So yeah, I had no idea what was happening to me for lack of a better term was uh, demonic. But what I knew was that it had me very uncomfortable. So my idea of a spiritual connection or a spiritual outlet was very uncomfortable for me. So when I started to get bullied in school and I started to feel like an outcast in my own, you know, neighborhood, and when I witnessed violence in my home, what did I have? What what was there? Could I turn to my faith? I didn't know what my faith was. I knew there was a God and my dad, on the other hand, was very um, intentional to, to make me aware that there was a God and it was above the spiritual stuff that, that I had experienced and that I can pray to him and that he was there. So I had that little lifeline and then whatever, um, you know, I, there was a Sunday school uh, a bus that would come in the neighborhood occasionally and would pick kids up and take us to Sunday school. I didn't know it was Sunday school. It was so fun. And we learned about also the 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 act of praying to to this God that cared. But really, it was kind of like that. That was just the war. You know, there was that war. There was the spiritual side that I witnessed, but it was worship of the dead. And then there was this other side that I was introduced to about God. And I learned that you can pray to him and that he's there. But that was to the extent that I knew. And then when a suicidal thoughts came because they did feeling bullied and outcast and can't stop my family from fighting and you know all of that when the suicide came it was very easy for the enemy to just say you know what just end it there is no outlet um so that was kind of that really was the 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 very foundational years of my life it was violence it was um there was no peace there was a lot of weird spiritual stuff and then there was a glimmer of hope where, um, you know, I had experienced the Sunday school occasionally and my dad would read to me from the Old Testament and that was about it. <laughs> wow. That's intense uh, for a little girl to have to go through and try to put all that in, in you know, process all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I was leading a Bible study with some people, we were talking about the different ways God talks to us. And I'm just so um, listening to your story and reading your book, that just makes me so in awe of God. I think we really, I know we really limited, we limit him, especially when we 
talk about how God talks to us. Um, we have these preconceived ideas of how it's supposed to happen, or sometimes we think we have we have to be a certain way for Him to talk to us. But I just love the story of how God spoke to you. Um, you know, you're having these suicidal thoughts, and here God speaks to you in a pop song. <laughs> Yes, he used Mariah Carey to get a hold of me. It is bizarre. And, and remember, you know, I didn't really have a spiritual background besides the conjuring of the dead. So I didn't, I never knew there was a such thing as worship music. I had never been exposed to that. My understanding of religion or any religious activity was a Catholic, you know, the Catholic background. And the church that I went to was very traditionally Catholic where, you know, it was, you know, you stand up, you sit down, you stand up, you sit down, you repeat, a, you know, a bunch of prayers and then there will be music. But it was this very ancient sounding music, um, where you know, which is totally fine, but it wasn't anything that I could understand. It was a lot of times saying in Latin and things like that. So, you know, I couldn't connect with that. God wasn't able to use that because I guess he knew I just wouldn't understand what was happening. And he's so faithful that he absolutely used a pop song, you know, and I forgot to mention, but in, in that time in my life too, I struggled with night terrors. Uh, you know, I think all of the spiritual height, like the the awareness that I had into the spiritual realm, I began to see things in the spirit and it was a lot of demonic stuff. And I was I had night terrors. So all of that compiled with the violence and all just feeling like I had no way out was, you know, that's probably what really was pushing me towards suicide. And God was so faithful that, yeah, one day I was listening to uh, the latest Mariah Carey cassette. Because that's, you know, how old it was. Cassette. Um, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and um, these kids these days are like, huh? Yep, low cassette <laughs> tape. And um, I got to the end of the album and it was her last song. And, and she was singing about her the time when she was a little girl and feeling absolutely isolated and misunderstood and not wanting to be here anymore. And I completely connected with it and I began to weep and I was a little girl still, but it was so, you know, it was so real to me and God used it. I didn't know it was God at all, but I absolutely know now that God used it because what it did for me is it shifted my thought process from, I want to die. Woe is me. You know, there's no way out to, wow, music has the power to heal. Like I listened to this song and this song made me cry and I feel better. I want to do music because I can help other people feel better too. Mm. That's really what it was. And that kind of shifted my life from death again to having something to live for. And yeah, God would use a pop song to do it. <laughs> I just love how God does that. I mean, he just, he knew what you needed. And I just, that is so beautiful. And so you said that there came a time when you had a feeling that you needed to go to church. And of course, we know that feeling is God, but yes. tell us about that time when you, you felt the need to go to church and what point did God set you free from that stronghold of the enemy? Yeah, I mean, at that point, you know, I, I kind of ran full steam ahead. I'm like, okay, I have a goal now. I'm going to be a singer. I sang everywhere that I could. Eventually, I, um, you know, I, I actually 
got discovered and um, started singing professionally. And while I was singing professionally, I figured, okay, here I am. You know, I'm I'm on I'm I'm a teenager. I'm on course. You know, to to really live out my dreams. I'm in school. I'm doing well. I'm out here having a career. I'm already a career woman, making money, all these different things. And so I thought that that would change things, and I would feel better, and that would just solve all the problems in my life. But of course, that wasn't reality, and they were still there. So I found myself again feeling very like broken and you know, suicide was knocking at my door again. It's just like, well, look, now you have a career and now you have money and now there's goals and you're still feeling the same way. So you might as well just end it. And that's the enemy constantly trying to steal, kill and destroy. That was to your point early. He always has a plot and his plot is to steal, kill and destroy. So at all moments, that's his mission. So even though I was on you know, on course to fulfilling my dreams and doing something that no one in my neighborhood would have even imagined doing, you know, in the ghetto of Brooklyn. Um, it didn't matter. I still was a broken little girl. There was still violence in the home. Nothing had changed, honestly, just my bank account and my, you know, uh, people just knew were becoming aware of me. So when that happened again, I just figured what really is the point? What's the point of life if I can just, you know, have these things going good for me and still get to this point? And I just knew inside of me that I needed to go to church, but I couldn't go to the religious church that I grew up in because, like I said earlier, it never connected with me. I didn't understand. It didn't connect. So what, where could I go? Where, where would I turn? I just knew that church was the answer, but I had nowhere to get there. I didn't even know there was a such thing as other church. I knew there was like ultra religious kind of churches where you couldn't wear pants and things like that, just from what I was exposed to in my neighborhood. But I didn't know that there were, you know, non-denominational churches. I didn't know that there were, you know, Pentecostal churches that were not, you know, uh, very strict or things like, you know, like, I, I had no idea there was a whole world out there of churches, but I just knew I needed a church. And then God sent someone to just randomly ask me, do you need to go to church? And I was just, I knew at that moment, the Lord was pursuing me because there was no way on earth that any human being knew that I felt I needed to go to church. That was something that was in the deep part of my heart and no one but myself and the, my creator would know that. So, yeah, I knew God was trying to get a hold of me. And I went to church. It was a Christian church. It was a Pentecostal church. And I thought everyone was absolutely nuts. <laughs> I said, these people are crazy. They are talking out loud to God. They are crying. They are singing. They are things that I had never seen people do so boldly in a corporate setting. And I became jealous of them. I wanted that. They were talking to my God. I want access like that. But it was there in that church that God really touched me. And I knew that not only did I have a feeling that God was pursuing me, but now I knew he was pursuing me. So, yeah. You you told a story about you called yourself like you were like a half naked um, preacher. Yeah. Why, why did you call yourself that? 
Well, because after that experience in the in that Christian church, I felt the Lord. I felt the presence of God. I had no idea that you can feel God or you can hear God or have an intimate relationship with God. I thought it was just someone would always read to you about God. And then there was this book that you really couldn't understand at all. Like that was really my ignorance when it came to just the Christian faith and when I experienced the Lord in a supernatural way, I felt the power of the Holy Spirit come over me. My heart felt like it was going to burst. I began to weep. I knew God was real. I had felt demonic presences. I had been in feasts that my family threw where they were conjuring the dead. I knew what death and dead spirits felt like. When I was in that church that day and I felt the Lord, I knew it was God. And my heart just wanted to explode of just pure love. And I knew it was him. And he started to heal this heart and all this stuff. So I wanted to, I'm like, I need to know this God. I want more of this God. I'm going to continue going to church. I'm going to continue to, you know, uh, cultivate an atmosphere in my home, in my life, where I can meet with that God, with the one and true and only God. And um, I started to do that. And so while I was doing that, though, remember, I was already on my pop star journey. And at this point, I'm getting more fame and getting more fame. I had no idea that there was um, a a sort of an example that needed to be set by me. All I knew was that God was getting a hold of me. So I continued to live completely like a sinner. I was cursing. I was, you know, fornicating. I was gyrating on the stage half naked all the time but what I did know now was that God was really real that God really had a purpose for me that he really loved me so I became that half naked preacher (laughs) when I would go on any stage or any radio station or wherever I was on the on this path to success um, and I was preaching. I was telling everyone that God was real, that you can experience him, that he loves you. But my life hadn't caught up to it. I was not on that journey of sanctification. I didn't realize that, you know, me being half naked or cursing or, or doing these things were, was actually a bad example of the God that I now had come to know. Um, so it took me a while. I was in that stage for about five years. Where, Because I had no discipleship. I had no one to come alongside me and say, hey, you know, this is God's best for you. I was, I was on my own. The people in the church just looked at me like the crazy half-naked girl who would come. And she really loved Jesus because she was always crying. But we're not going to touch her or talk to her because she's still not sanctified. And that's kind of what happened. So I was on my own until... Uh, my relationship with the Lord really grew deeper and deeper and deeper. And he, and he showed me, you know, he wanted me to be a lady. And up until that point, I never wore a dress before. I wore pieces of material, you know, a <laughs> and a halter top, but it was because I was trying to show my stuff, you know? And then as I began to fall in love with Jesus, I, I wanted to become a lady. I felt beautiful and, and I felt valuable and I felt like, you know, um, I should, you know, cover up and protect the, the gifts that he's given me of my, myself, of my body. And, um, and yeah, he turned me into a lady for sure. The Lord did a beautiful work. So yeah, mm-hmm. I was a half naked preacher though for five years until I really finally surrendered and realized God had different plans for me. 
He wasn't alone for my journey. I was to submit to his journey. Mm, I love that. That is beautiful. So, you know, one of the things um, I taught uh, youth classes when I was in Washington for many, many years. And um, so I went through several kids getting baptized and I would just say, hey, you know, now you're really up for warfare. <laughs> it, mm. It's um, wonderful that you're getting baptized. But just remember that Satan loves to come to church. Satan loves church. He's here every week. And now that you've been baptized, he he's really, you know, you are up for fair. Like he's coming at you. So he loves to come to church because um, this is where our defenses are really down at church. And especially once we get baptized, we, we kind of have this idea like, okay, now I'm, I'm safe. Maybe um, I'm in the safety net. I've been baptized or I'm at church. I'm safe. This is where good people are. And we hope that's true. Um, but you think about it. I I've heard so many, so many people lately say, oh, I, I don't go to church because I don't want to be judged. Um, mm -hmm. Or I don't want to be around those kind of people. And that's really sad, but think about it that they were hurt. They were mistreated at church. That's where Satan is. And you think, okay, Satan attacked them in church, but guess who they blame? They blame God. Yeah. Perfect, right? Great. Satan does it again. And so you, here you are in church, you, you um, found the Lord, you're going to get healed. You're feeling this love. Like you said, just explode. You wanted everyone to know Satan's like, oh no, here's this mighty force that can just change so many lives. Now I'm going after her. And so in your book, at the end of the, each chapter, you have some great questions and I love it to go through people's books that have questions and then come back and use their questions on them. So <laughs> in your book, you say, in what ways has the enemy tried to attack your spirit? And in your book, you know, you talk about that. In what way did the enemy come back and try to break your spirit using the same people that had just introduced you to this God? Yeah. You know, it's amazing because I grew up in the ghetto. I had violence all around me. I witnessed, you know, all this demonic activity. I became a pop star. I witnessed all that demonic activity in that world as well. I did all of these things. I even lost my record deal, you know, had that sense of losing everything. And my spirit was never broken. I, you know, I just marched on. I'm a tough girl from Brooklyn. I'm like, you get up, you know, you fall, you get back up. And then I went to church and completely surrendered my life and completely died. I, you know, I dived headfirst in, I dove headfirst into the river of God and everything that was God or church or anything. And um, yeah, the enemy used the very church to try to break my spirit. And he very well did. Um, yeah, I was in very heavily involved now in ministry. Um, I would say about five years into my real walk with the Lord, you know, five years I was playing around, you know, half naked preacher, but then five years of really surrendering and just living for the Lord and, you know, growing and growing. And I was really growing. It was probably about three years in uh, more than five years, about three years in and, um, you know, growing and growing and having all this, you know, 
spiritual enlightenment, just seeing in the spirit, hearing in the spirit, walking. Really, I was really walking in the spirit. And um, the enemy used the very, uh, I was I was kind of looking up to the pastor's wife as my spiritual mother and thinking, you know, this is surely an example of a woman of God because I had never, I'm first generation Christian. So I had never experienced that. So that's who I was looking to. And sure enough, the enemy had deceived her into thinking that her husband had um, some kind of inappropriate relationship with me. And he was about... 30 years my senior it was absolutely disgusting he was like an old man and I'm, I was really young in my early 20s and she because she was younger she was a younger wife not my age she was also older than I was but I think in her mind she felt like maybe her husband would just want younger and younger I'm not sure there was something there that I wasn't privy to but um, yeah, she became deceived, thinking that there was an inappropriate relationship with myself and the pastor. We had never seen each other outside of church, never even communicated outside of church uh, other than on, on the phone. When, you know, there were times where I needed prayer and things like that. But she had become completely convinced of this evil thing and, and targeted me and completely ambushed me with that information, which I thought she was joking at first because it was that insane. And then when I realized she was real, um, it completely devastated me. I had never, you know, I grew up in the ghetto and then I went into the industry. Now, I had been talked about my whole life. I've been gossiped about my entire life and envied my entire life. But I had never once thought that that would be something that would happen to me in church. I was so naive. I thought, this is a safe place. People don't give in to evil thoughts like that. And um, I was wrong. And um, so that completely devastated me. Eventually, she realized that I was telling the truth. And she kind of switched gears. But it wasn't before she completely broke my spirit. And um, what happened was, is I, I completely just, I became a mousy little girl, this bold in your face girl just completely changed. And I felt like I needed to prove myself to her. So I just served her, put my head down and I served her for the next couple of years. I was afraid to even ask my pastor for prayer after that. Um, and then my husband came and I met my husband and God was so faithful because it kind of switched again, you know, meeting my husband and thinking, surely there's no way that anyone could think anything evil. I have this incredible man of God who's in my life now. Um, but sure enough, it was the enemy and he had really deceived that whole, that whole situation. And it happened again. Uh, this time it wasn't the same accusation. It was just more so. Um, just jealousy of the relationship that now my husband and I had with um, the leadership with her, with her husband and, and some of the leaders. So we were eventually kicked out of church. Would you believe it? <laughs> yeah. But the reason, just to clarify, the reason I didn't leave the church is because there was some false theology being taught. I was told I couldn't leave the church. I thought that my destiny in God was linked to the church. Mm -hmm. I was saved that. Um, and they really frowned upon anyone who left the church and they, you know, they definitely, um, outcast anyone who left the church. So I didn't even think that was an option until, um, we were kicked out of the church and it was all God 
saving me and sparing me from from continuing to grow in an unhealthy environment. The church started off great, but you know, as things grow and as people get popular, um, as we see in the news now with all these mega churches, you know, people get deceived and the leadership even start to do things yeah. sometimes that are not appropriate. And that was that was what was happening. So God rescued us. You know, yeah. what men's rejection is God's protection. And that's really what happened. And we were so naive that we didn't even think we could leave until the Lord, you know, forced us out. But yeah, when I met my husband is when I started to come back to myself. But there was a, a good amount of time there. That, um, yeah, I would say about two years where I was just completely broken. I lost sight of who I was, my voice, and the enemy's planning it all, just because that might be a follow-up question, but I will answer it, was to silence me, was to shut me up, was to dim my light, was so that the thousands of fans that I had from my pop career would not be able to follow me um, on my journey with God because I was too broken to share of what God has done, but he lost. <laughs> well, we always know he loses. It's just that he continues to break us along the path to victory. Yeah. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, the good thing is we know God doesn't change. Him, he's everlasting. We told he's, we, you know, he's an everlasting God, but we also know that the enemy doesn't change and that's, you know, his tactics are the same all the time, he, but he customizes oh, yeah. them for us. Um, he customizes one for you and one for me, but he does the same play over and over and over. Um, so we know that the enemy, you know, he knows what makes us tick. Um, and he knows what gets under our skin. So our best defense is to do something that, um, I'm going to quote you again. I heard you say having a one-on-one relationship with him, a moment by moment relationship with God and not just a church relationship. And I love how you describe having God so close like this, that Mm -hmm. all you see is him. Cause when he's back here, when he's so far from us, we see, we see other things. And I know, you know, that this is a audio podcast, but I just love that visual of having God um, so close. It's like a palm right up in our face. Like all you see is this palm in your face that all we see is God. And the further away he is, we see all the things around us. Um, and I just love that victory. So is, how have you been able then describe how you've been able to continue to walk in this victory? Because, you know, we all, we, like we said, we, we can all go back to the way things were. We have, you know, tendencies to go back. Yeah. And, you know, I had never been treated by the world the way I was treated in the church. So yeah, I yeah. for sure the temptation was to just run back. You know, what the heck? You know, I did all this and I surrendered all this and I was never even treated this way back when I was in the world. Why why bother, right, is the temptation. But I had a true authentic experience with God. So, you know, coming from a world where I had fulfilled my dreams and I had all this money and success and all these things, I knew that that was it. It capped out. It topped out there. There was nothing else to attain or get to. Mm. But when I went on this beautiful journey with God and I experienced him and his presence and his love and, and what he thinks about me and, and, you know, that all of that 
It's it's a never ending journey of wonder and adventure with God. And, and, and really, you know, the Bible talks about us going from glory to glory. And that's what it is, because the more we uh, pursue our God and the more we chase after him, the more there is to discover, the more beauty that's added, the more strength that's added, the more hope that's added, you know. Uh, yes, he's an invasive God, so invasive. Mm. So he will peel back the layers to the things that we might be hiding or not want to talk to him about, but it's to bring us freedom and healing. And he does, you know, the closer I get to God, the more um, I, I'm stripped of the things that try to keep me in sadness and darkness and bondage. So Really, it's about that moment by moment relationship with God. And, and to be honest, you know, we're in a time where we're just too busy. You know, we're in a moment by moment relationship with Instagram, you know, where we're, you know, wanting to scroll and see what the next, you know, image is going to be that, you know, either makes us jealous or, you know, makes us want to compete. It's, it's really insane. But really, that's what the type of relationship God wants us to have with him is to pursue and to, you know, to be hungry and thirsty for him. And, and he, you know, the Bible says those that hunger and thirst for righteousness will never, we will never go thirsty. We will never go hungry. There's always some beautiful thing that he is offering us. But the problem is when we like what you were, you know, saying of my illustration, when we kind of back away from him and we start looking at everything else around us, we get distracted. And that's when the enemy is able to come in and really just say, okay, well, here's this thought, or what about this? Or, you know, he suggests things, or he, he, you know, he, he just leads us astray with our own lustful desires. So it's really important to just cling, cling, mm. cling to God, cling to God. If you can't think of anything else, just think of that idea of I'm going to cling to God. You know, um, I heard this in a church service recently, but it's like, you know, if you cling to God, you will not drift away. And you just got to think, you know, if you're holding on to something you and the wind comes to blow you, you won't be movable. You're going to hold. You're holding on. And that's the type of relationship that we need to have with God. And he loves it. He delights in having a true relationship with us. And it's not, it's amazing because honestly, he doesn't have to give us anything. But it's not a selfish relationship because as we cling to God, he gives us of himself, of his, of strength, of love, of hope, of joy, of everything. All of our needs are met in, in that place. So that is beautiful. I love that. I'm going to end with that because I was going to ask you, what hope do you offer? But that's what you said. Just cling, cling to God. That is just beautiful right there. And um, your story of just going from broken to beautiful and just how God used your stories, but then just to cling to him. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to, to join me today. And where can the audience connect with you and get a copy of your book? 
Yeah, well, genieo.com, J-E-A-N-N-I-E-O.com. Um, you can connect with me there. You can literally text, send me a text message on my website. Um, there's a messaging system there, but you can also connect with all of my social medias through my website, but it's Jeannie Ortega for the you know majority of all my, my sites, Twitter, Instagram, um, Jeannie on Music on YouTube and uh, Facebook. So yeah. You can find me there. You can purchase the book there. You can listen to the music that I'm creating and I've created and just stay up to date with all of the adventure that I'm on with my Lord. <laughs> that is so awesome. And of course, all those links will be in the show notes. So again, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to join me. Thank you. I appreciate you and your heart to really help people get on their spiritual game plan. I love it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my time with Jeannie and can understand the importance of having an offensive stand against the enemy, how you can win battles that seem overwhelming, and how to open your spiritual eyes and walk in your divine authority, inheritance, and victory. You can learn more about Jeannie at genio.com. Imagine shifting your focus off of the hard work of trying to prove yourself to the joyful life of knowing your worth. When you join my email list, you will get the free mini guide, one simple way to know you matter today. It is my prayer that you'll be reminded daily of all the ways you matter more than you know. So head on over to sherryfletcher.com, click join Sherry at the top of the screen. Already a subscriber? Enter your info anyway to get the new mini guide and you will not get multiple emails. Did you know that you can help others start a spiritual game plan for their lives? When you leave a review and share this podcast, it helps me reach others. I do love hearing from you and I want to know how I can serve you in the best possible way. So be sure to subscribe to the emails and leave reviews. Thank you for tuning in to Your Spiritual Game Plan, the podcast. I'll see you next Tuesday.